thanks for having me here. Uh, I've got some nephews. I've got four nephews right now, one on the way. But uh, I, I, I used to babysit one in the mornings and take it, take him, actually, not it. Um, I do that all the time. I, I take him to daycare and to school. Uh, his name's Noah. Uh, he just turned five, so I got to spend a lot of time with him. And uh, he's, he's really smart, but he says some of the craziest things sometimes. Uh, one morning we were, so every morning he'll wake up and we'll have breakfast and then I'll take him to daycare and it's pretty simple. And one morning we were just eating breakfast and I think he wanted some cereal that we didn't have. And so I was just messing with him. I was like, well, how much money do you have? Maybe we can go to the store and get some. And I think he said some crazy number, some random like 526 or something. That's how many dollars he had. I said, well, how'd you get all that money? And he said, well, China. And I said, what'd you do in China to get all that money? He said, shh, I can't tell you that. <laughs> so, and I was just like blown away. I was like, where does he get this stuff from? <laughs> like the silly, he can say some of the silliest things sometimes. And I'm going to kind of talk about that tonight, how, uh, how, how silly human wisdom can be sometimes compared to God's wisdom and that he wants us to be seeking after his wisdom and not human wisdom. Uh, I know there's a lot of times when you'll be talking to people and, and, They'll say something, and I know John Law always like, you're so silly. And I know uh, I, I kind of say that about Josh. He's always saying that, you know, I need to get a haircut. And I, every time he says that, I'm like, man, you're silly. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to keep my hair long. <laughs> you, probably, you guys probably don't agree with me on that. But uh, So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. <clears throat> Uh, I chose this passage mainly because uh, this is the beginning of my ministry, and uh, th this passage is talking about uh, we preach Christ crucified, and that's what I titled it. And uh, as I start my ministry and start evangelizing and all that and preaching, I want everything that I do to be about Christ crucified. Uh, and so I'll go ahead and read this passage. Uh, chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise, and where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so if we go back to verse 18, I'm just going to kind of walk through this. It says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Now, the word of the cross is just the total revelation of the Bible, of, of, of Christ being crucified, of, of, of Christ being on the cross. Uh, I, I think Josh Womble was, maybe it was Josh Green or Josh Womble, but they were the first ones to show this to me. They would say that the Bible from Genesis 1 to, Genesis 1 to 3, so that much of the Bible, is God making a promise to save his people. And then the rest of the Bible is God keeping that promise of saving his people. And so, and that promise is Christ crucified, like Jesus coming, dying on the cross so that we can be righteous before God. 
and and uh, and and he's saying, and so that that the word of the cross is just saying that the the, the entire Bible is focused on Jesus crucified, and it's saying that that, that idea of uh, or that the Bible talking about Jesus crucified is folly to those who are perishing, which makes sense because if if you're on the road towards death and you're all you're focusing on is death and sin, then the word of life isn't going to make much sense to you because you're focused on death. So the book of life isn't going to really make much sense to you. Until you make that 180 uh, of repentance, the word repent actually just means to make an about face, to, to make a 180 and to, to stop focusing on death and sin and to turn and to focus on God and to, and to direct your and to be running towards God. Um, that's something that I learned here in, in youth. Um, and so, and it goes on to say that, uh, it says, for those who are perishing, it's folly, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So when we make that about face, we can see that the word of God and, and Christ crucified is, is so powerful and so life-changing. But before you make that about face, you don't see that. It's just you're focused on death and sin, and so it doesn't make sense to you. Um, so, And we can see that in Romans 1.16, too, for it says... For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is the power of God for salvation. Christ crucified is what saves sinners, simply put. And then it goes on to say in verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Uh, that is actually quoted from Isaiah 29. Uh, I think verse 14, but we're going to go to Isaiah 29, verses 13 to 16. We're going to actually read all those. Isaiah 29, verses 13 to 16. I'll start, so verse 13 to 16. And the Lord said, <clears throat> Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. All you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us, and who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? That the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me. Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. I just love that, like the idea that, or the, that, that truth that, that God is the potter and we are just clay. Who are we to, to look at God and say, I'm wiser than you and I'm smarter than you. And that's exactly what he was doing. In, in Isaiah, he's talking about how people were trying to honor him through these through these human rituals and, and these, these fake offerings, and they were honoring with his mouth, but not with their hearts. And, um, and God's saying that that's the, you know, I don't want human wisdom. I want God, like my wisdom. And stop trying to do things through human wisdom and, and focus on my wisdom, because my wisdom is going to thwart human wisdom. Uh, John MacArthur says that resorting to human wisdom rather than divine wisdom was the spiritual plague of Jerusalem. Um, and then in Romans 9.20, it says, On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, Why did you make me like this? Who are we to, to question God and, and, and him making things the way they are and making us the way we are? His wisdom is so much like better and so much more wise than our wisdom. 
uh, and we have no place at all to, to question God. And I see, I see God just looking at us and saying, puny man, who are you to, to question who I am and my, my wisdom? Um, and so, and then in verse 20, it goes on to say, where is the one who is wise? And where is the scribe? And where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And when I first read that, I see Paul just like calling out the wise people of the day saying, where are you guys now? I mean, you guys were, were talking about how wise you are and how smart you are. But now that Jesus has come and Jesus has raised from the dead and he's done all these miracles and you can't explain it, where are you to talk about your wisdom now? They weren't there. And it's probably because uh, whatever they had been teaching, uh, God had already proved it wrong. And so they weren't even there to back it up because they're too afraid of, I guess, to. I, that's the way I read it is that they, they weren't there to, they couldn't be there to back up their human wisdom because God's wisdom had already thwarted their wisdom. That's exactly what God did was thwart their wisdom. And so, <clears throat> and then, so then we go on to verse uh, 21 and it says, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, and it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to, they, to save those who believe. <clears throat> and it says that word folly again. And if you go back to verse 18, it says, uh, the word of the cross is folly. And so he's saying that uh, what we preach is folly, and so folly, he's referring to the word of the cross. And so he's saying that this word of the cross is exactly what God is using to save people, to save those who believe. Uh, God is using what, what humans see as folly. And the word folly, the, the root of it, I think, means mor moron. And so... I, I see when people are talking about Jesus on the cross, they say, man, you'd have to be a moron to believe in that. And so <clears throat> he's, he's taking that, that very thing that people say is moronic or, or dumb or whatever, and he's using that very thing to save sinners. And then uh, Matthew Henry says, his thoughts are not as our thoughts and nor his ways our ways. We're not on the same rate, the same wavelength as God. As God, we don't think like He does. We don't act like He does. He's totally separate from us. And for example, when Jesus came, He didn't come the way that the Jews had expected Him. They expected Him to come as a king, dressed in robe and jewels, and and ready to just rule with power and to, to rule the land with power and to lead the to lead the Jews out of con uh, condemnation and all that stuff. And Instead, he came as a, as a carpenter and born in a manger and uh, washing people's feet and, and healing people and not what they had expected at all. And, uh, and he does that, and God does that throughout the whole Bible. Paul, the very person who wrote this, was a, was a murderer of Christians and, and, and persecuted the church for years. And then Paul is writing all these letters talking about God's wisdom. And so it, it's just awesome to see how God can take uh, take what is folly in this world, what is, what is so humbled in this world, like Jesus in a manger, and use that as wisdom. And he says, that's your wisdom. Look, search for that. That's the, that's the true wisdom. And uh, one of the things that, that this reminds me of is that you can't know God through human wisdom. And so apart from God, you cannot know God. Um, just like on a basketball team, you don't, know the, you don't know the plays of a basketball team unless you're on that play. And so when the team comes down and says, like play two or whatever, play Z. The other team doesn't know what's going on because they're not on that team. Same thing is if you don't know God, then you don't know God's wisdom. The only way you can know God's wisdom is, is through his word.
Uh, I was joking around, and we were at the seminary, and I kept joking around and saying, Al Moeller is the president of the seminary. And I kept joking and saying, oh, yeah, me and Al are buds. We're going to hang out and get lunch. And eventually Josh was like, stop calling him Al. You don't even know him. Like, you guys aren't friends. Al doesn't even know who you are, or Mr. Moeller doesn't even know who you are. And so I can't be best friends with Al Moeller if I've never hung out with Al Moeller. Pretty simple. I can't know God if I've never been with God. Jake actually talked about this week uh, up in youth. He talked a lot about the Samaritan woman and how the Samaritan woman uh, had, had had this amazing experience with Jesus. And then after the experience of him giving her the saving water at the well, she goes back to her town, tells everybody, and they all say that they hear about Jesus. But it's not until Jesus goes to that town and spends two days at that town that those people actually say, because you've come, because we know you for ourselves, we believe in you. And he said that you can't, you can't go to heaven on the, on the curtail of anybody else's faith. You need to come to Jesus on your own. And so I'm trying to say that you, you, you need to know God's wisdom. And the only way that you can know God's wisdom is if you know God. And the only way you can know God is through his word. Uh, and so what exactly is this that we preach? And so we go on and say in verse 22, uh, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so what we're preaching is, simply put, Christ crucified. And uh, it's very interesting when he says a stumbling block because a couple, a couple chapters later in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, in verse 9, he says, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. And in that verse, he's talking about like, I think, I'm pretty sure he's talking about dietary restrictions. And so, for example, if some people that you're hanging out with don't eat meat and you're allowed to eat meat, uh, he's saying then, then don't eat meat because if it, if it, if it makes, if it's a stumbling block to those people, if it, if it hinders them to believe in Jesus, then don't eat meat. Just do what they do so that you kind of fit in and so that they, they trust you and believe in you. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 9.22, this is Paul, uh, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. And I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And he's saying that whatever I do in life, whatever anything I do, I'm focused on saving souls. And, and so that means if I need to alter my life, I need to change the way I live so that people take my word more seriously and believe in Jesus, I'm going to do that. And, even, and then in, back in verse 18, or 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9, it even uses the phrase... Uh, somehow become a, a stumbling block to the weak. That, that phrase stumbling block is the, same, is the same one that we see here in verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. This is the one stumbling block that we can't change, that we shouldn't alter, that we can't change, because it's the very foundation of what we believe. Uh, in verses 8, it says if, if, you're, if your diet or if anything about your life is a stumbling block, Change it so people might, might come to know Christ. But we cannot change this stumbling block of Christ crucified. It's the very thing that saves their souls. If we alter it and change it, it loses that power to save people's souls. So that's the one stumbling block that we cannot change no matter what. And then the very last verse, uh, verse 25, says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. <clears throat> when I read that, after looking at it, uh, it sounds really cool, and then, I, and then I look at it, and it seems kind of funny because uh, God's not foolish, so of course he's not 
he's going to be wiser than all men, and God's not weak at all, so of course he's going to be stronger than man. And um, he's the all-powerful and the all-knowing. Uh, one of the first three things that I learned about God are three fancy words, I guess. Um, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Uh, omnipotent just means that he's all-powerful. So if he's all-powerful, then that means he, he doesn't have any weakness. Therefore, he's the strongest, and so of course he's stronger than man. And omniscient means he knows all things. So if he knows all things, then he's not foolish at all. And he can't, he, of course he's wiser than all men. That's just plain. Um, so there's no part of God that's, that's, that's foolish or weak. Uh, and this reminds me, this, this, this verse reminds me a lot. Uh, I'm glad my mom came because she's going to love this. Uh, the golden rule. When I was a kid, uh, if me and my mom were wrestling or whatever, she'd wrap me up in, my, in, her, in her arms or her legs, and she wouldn't let me go <clears throat> until I said the golden rule. And the golden rule was mom will always win because she's bigger and she's smarter. Might not be true now. I've grown a little bit. She's probably smarter, but I don't know about stronger. Uh, maybe. <laughs> and so I like. I mean, you could you could take that phrase, the golden rule, and it it kind of goes along with this verse. And you could say, God will always win because He is bigger and He is stronger. And so with that, uh, this is being the beginning of my ministry, uh, the beginning of me being a leader. Uh, for, for Jesus, I want it to be clear that, that, that I'm preaching Christ and him crucified. Um, if you just look back one verse before this passage in verse 17, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Uh, I just don't want my, my ministry and what I'm about to, to be about the numbers or about the fancy lights or about anything of that sort. I just want it to be Christ and him crucified, because that's the power of God to save souls. Uh, and I would even I would even say that that should be the focus of your life. The focus of your life should be to preach the cross and to preach Christ crucified, because that is the power of, of God to save souls. There's nothing, there's nothing more fancy or more to it than that. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and, and that, that can save us. We can stand before God righteous because of that. Uh, I love the verse, Matthew 6, 21, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I just hope and pray that, that my treasure would be, would be Christ and him crucified and that your treasure would be Christ and him crucified. Uh, and I, I just love that verse from, from uh, the old hymn that we all know, uh, and it goes like this, Through the old rugged cross, so despised by the world, the old rugged cross that has a wondrous attraction to me. I just pray that the cross would be our attraction, that it would be the treasure of our heart. I pray for that. Uh, so I'll end it. I'll end. That's all I have, so I'll end in prayer. Uh, Father, thank you so much for giving me uh, this opportunity. Uh, Father, thank you so much for the leadership of this church, for, for leading me in this way, that, that I've come so far just, uh, just in five or six years of even becoming a Christian that I'm standing up here. Uh, preaching your word. Uh, how, how wonderful are you to take the week and, and to use it uh, in such a way as this. Uh, Father, I pray that we would be searching, searching for your wisdom, that we would not be relying on human wisdom, but, but, but seeking your wisdom, which is Christ crucified. That, that, that would be the focus of our life and that that's what we're all about. Father, we love you. We want to glorify you through everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.